Nah, I'm Muggle Podcast. How droll. But at least the two house elves that run this one had the decency and the courtesy to ask me, Severus Snape, the greatest professor at Hogwarts, to introduce it. You are listening to Enter the Nerd Zone. Take it away, gentlemen. Peach in the zone? I am in the zone. Wow. Professor Severus Snape giving us an intro. I got chills. Yes. From the heavens. From the heavens above. Yes. <laughs> yes. One of the greatest professors uh, ever to live. That is very true. All righty. So, as you can tell by that intro, we are continuing our discussion of the Harry Potter saga. We are up to the second in the series, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I feel like we've done this before. Yeah, I, I kind of have a, a nightmare that we did this before. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I casted a uh, Obliviate spell, and I forgot all about it, and uh, here we are again. Look at you using the terminology. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just proving a big beat. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so second in the saga – Chamber of Secrets, second year at Hogwarts, and uh, we are introduced to some brand new characters. First one that we are introduced to right off the bat uh, in the scenes that take place before Harry goes to Hogwarts. Uh, a lot of people love these scenes. Uh, I know, Pete, you're a big fan of the scenes at the Dursley's house, and we're introduced to Dobby the house elf. So what did you think of our introduction to Dobby? I, I He's a great character. Um, I like his mischievousness. Uh, he's very interesting. I, you know, it's uh, he's he's cute too. I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we're introduced to house elves in general. Uh, you know, of course, Harry, pretty much like the rest of us, know very little about the magical world. So as Harry learns, we learn as well. Uh, house elves pretty much serve wizards. Uh, they have magical abilities. They don't use wands, but uh, they actually have a lot of magical power. It looks like, as we see, he gets into some mischief there, causing trouble for Harry. Yeah, he, he definitely gets him in some trouble. <clears throat> yeah, someone that, uh, you know, we find out that his goal is, is he does not want Harry to go back to Hogwarts. Uh, he means well. He's looking out for Harry's well-being. But uh, because of his actions, Harry gets locked up. And uh, we see Weasley's in action there, a flying car, and a very early action scene, the rescue of Harry Potter from the Dursleys. <laughs> yeah, I love the flying car sequences. They're, they're excellent in this movie. And that's, again, like, like you said before, I mean, I love these beginning scenes of Harry Potter. You know, it's, it's kind of like the comic relief before all the uh, darkness comes. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's, it's sort of fun to see, you know, him him versus the Muggles, him versus his aunt and uncle who uh, do not like the fact that he is a wizard. Uh, they think they think him very odd for being a wizard. Yeah, well, we learned in the first movie that the uh, the mother, the the aunt was not very fond of her sister. Um, very jealous, too. Yeah, yeah, we do learn that. So, uh, and it seems that when she found uh, her husband Vernon, he he sort of shared her feelings. Uh, I I I mean, I doubt he knew anything about the the wizarding world, but I'm sure 
uh, clued him in because he had that weird sister with the weird husband. So they're, they're like two peas in the pod when it comes to their opinions on the wizarding world there. So, yeah, the Weasleys, uh, they rescue Harry in the flying car, a great series. And we get introduced to uh, we get introduced to the Weasley house, uh, which is a very interesting house, to say the least. Um, in the first movie, we met Mrs. Weasley, Molly Weasley. We very briefly saw Ginny Weasley. Uh, so who do you know, Pete? Because uh, I know you got her autograph for your daughter. Who is the actress that? plays Ginny Weasley. Oh, Bonnie Wright. Bonnie Wright. So we get to see yeah. a young Bonnie Wright, and she's she's adorable. Yes. <laughs> Cute kid, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty good, too, because most of her scenes involve seeing Harry clamming up and running out of the room. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and now in this movie, we get a little bit more of a perspective of Ginny Weasley and who she is, and a little bit. Not, not a whole lot yet, but more of an introduction this this movie compared to the first one yeah because in this one uh you know for harry and ron and hermione this is their second year uh this it will be Ginny's first year at hogwarts uh we also get introduced to another weasley one of my favorite weasleys of all time arthur weasley the father uh what was yeah he's of, funny yeah what was, I was gonna, what was your impression of mr weasley oh i love mr weasley he's uh but he's like that uh, uncle, the dopey uncle type. But he's not, you know. He's, uh, you know. I just think I wish I had a father like him, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, encouraging no. to encouraging to steal cars and uh, you know break people out of their houses. I mean, you, you gotta love a dad like that. Exactly. Yeah, they have that great scene where uh, you know Harry and starting to meet Harry. And Mr. Weasley informs him that the boy stole the car. And what, do you remember what his reaction was to it? Yeah, he's like, uh, oh, how'd it go? Right? Exactly. And she's like, that she says to him, Ver, uh, Arthur. And he's like, oh, very bad, very bad. <laughs> yep. And then he, <laughs> then he turns to Harry and he asks him, because uh, at the Ministry of Magic, I uh, – I, I knew he had something to do. He, he actually, he works in it. They, they describe it a little bit in the book. He works in the misuse of muggle artifacts department in the Ministry of Magic, which basically is uh, if wizards sort of enchant ordinary everyday muggle objects to sort of either harm a muggle or really it's more to kind of play pranks on them. He kind of goes there, diffuses the situation. Uh, it's not a really big department in the Ministry, but he loves all things muggle and he asks harry about a very key piece of uh muggle equipment in the <laughs> out there in the muggle world yes the rubber ducky the rubber ducky what is the function of a rubber duck <laughs> to, which harry, to which harry is almost sort of like i don't think there is one <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know what you're talking about i'm locked in a room all day so uh you know sort of continuing along uh, you know, they, they go off to Diagon Alley to uh, get their school supplies, and they learn that they have a new Defense Against the Dark Arts uh, teacher. Now, they talk about this in the books, but when you saw in the movie that, obviously, at the end of the first movie, Professor Quirrell dies, so there is a vacancy. But did you get a sense that this is how every movie is going to go, that each each movie is going to have a new uh, professor for Defense Against the Dark Arts yeah, once I got past movie, this 
actually more towards the third movie. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I saw the pattern click in here that Snape was going to get uh, get um, screwed on the job again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they they. <laughs> They touch on it in the books where they, they say uh, that he's always wanted that position, defensive sort of like uh, not really a rumor, but it's like all the kids at Hogwarts know that that's like a cursed position. Like teachers only last about a year and, and that's it. So well, I always thought that was because he, uh, you know, as we learn later on in the, in the, the stories um, that he was, uh, a, he was a death eater, right? Or he was pretending to be a Death Eater, whatever. I'm not trying to spoil anything else, but <laughs> uh, but he was he was a Voldemort follower at some point in time. So maybe that's why they want to give him that job. Yeah, you know they they sort of um, in the first book and movie uh, when Harry gets sorted into Gryffindor, he's sitting there with another Weasley, Percy Weasley, uh, who kind of tells Harry that you know because he asks, hey, you know who's that? professor giving me the evil eye over there and he's like oh that's that's professor snape you know everybody knows he loves the dark arts and he really wants that job so you know he's sort of known as even though he teaches potions and he's an excellent excellent at he's an excellent potions master i guess would the position would be uh he is he loves the dark arts so he kind of has that reputation already <laughs> <laughs> but uh we get introduced to their new professor uh Defense Against the Dark Arts Professor, and that is... Um, Gilderoy Gil- Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart, yes. Thank you very much. And I know things. I'm smart. <laughs> like, like Tyrion Lannister says, you drink and know things. <laughs> <laughs> Little Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I'm not there. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. We just, my wife and I just started uh, watching it, you know. Behind. <laughs> yeah. Better late than never. Oh, anyway. I guess so. Okay. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Tangent anyway, time. Exactly. <laughs> so, what was what was your impression of one Mister Gilderoy Lockhart? Oh uh, well, <laughs> you know, in that scene that you're watching him, he's kind of like flamboyant, and you know, look at me, I'm the greatest. Kind of reminded me of the Kardashians, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 like the fifth Kardashian. I don't even know how many Kardashians there are. <laughs> I think it's like 35 of them. I'm not even sure. Great. He's the 36th. <laughs> uh, he's he's the 36. He uh he took off. He took over for yeah. Bruce Jenner. Um, jeez, uh, way tangents, tangent, tangent, tangent. Uh, he um, like I said, he's very flamboyant. When I first see him, you don't even think of him as a as a wizard. He's kind of like that Tony Robbins guy who's trying to sell his books type of thing. Yeah, actually, that's a good analogy. I was trying to think, you know, who, who would I sort of compare him to? But, yeah, you're right. He is almost like one of those, like, infomercial, you know, hey, you want to make a million dollars in three days? Read my books. You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and he is a he is a glory hound, to say the least, because he sees young Mr. Potter and he snatches him up and sort of like, you know, oh, you and I together, we'll get on the front page of the Daily Prophet, which is the big wizarding newspaper. Um, so shortly after this little scene, yet again, another. And all the, la- and all the ladies all, love him. Let's not forget the, that. Oh, yes. We see uh, Mrs. Weasley is uh, very interested in meeting him, as is Hermione. Much to Ron's chagrin, <laughs> he does he does not he does not like Hermione making googly eyes at Gilderoy Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh my God! 
You know, after watching the first movie and you see the scene where Ron's kind of like jealous, I never really thought at this point in time that he was going to be, that he would end up with her. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking, you know, that it it's it's starting to f unfold that Harry and her are going to be an item. Oh, so you, you oh, in other words, you say Harry and Harry end up together. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, you see, you see the relationship, and you, you you don't see that in the first the first movie where Ron's more of like she's annoying, you know. I guess typical eleven year old boy, little girls. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The second one, I wasn't expecting him to be like interested in her. I thought it would be more of a a Harry like mm. to be her love interest, even though they're yeah. twelve years old. I mean, I always kind of thought that. He almost sort of looked at it at, at Hermione because Hermione, uh, and they Hermione is very bossy, and I was almost thinking that Ron must be thinking like, oh my god, you know, it's my mother here at Hogwarts, like in a smaller in a smaller package, like my mother is here with me, bossing me around and and just just laying into me every chance she gets. <laughs> it's like the Big Bang Theory with uh, Howard's mom and then. Uh... His wife. Exactly. So, there, you know what? We should, right. we should have seen it coming then. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, so, yes, we get introduced to yet another character that was mentioned uh, in the first one because Draco, Mal Draco Malfoy always loves to say, when my father hears about this, well, we get to meet the father, uh, and that is Lucius Malfoy. Played very well by Jason Isaacs. I know he is one of your favorite characters. So, what was your impression seeing him up there on the big screen? Oh, very intimidating. I mean, he he fits perfect into this uh, this role. Uh, um, we've talked about this before, but his that role is very similar to the guy that he plays in The Patriot. This evil can uh, evil conniving, elite, you know, guy with a big attitude. And he's number one, and you see it right off the bat. With Lucius. yeah, and you also see that he has absolutely no problem intimidating small children and and whatever. Like he he is a mean son of a gun. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And they don't really talk about it here, but they talk about it in the books that he was very good friends with one Severus Snape when they went to school together. Um, we find out later on in the books that he was maybe a year or two older than Severus, uh, but they were the best of friends, and it's kind of not surprising seeing the way uh, Jason Isaacs portrays him. Yeah. So uh, we get a little – now, here's sort of one of the differences between the movie and the book. Uh, we see very clearly here that he slips the – we find out what it is later on. He slips the diary of Tom Riddle into Ginny's, uh, I think it's her cauldron or her book bag or something. It's in her book bag, yeah, with the rest yeah, of her books. And in the books, it was more of they kind of bumped together. And Mr. Weasley comes over these Lucius intimidating these 11 and 12-year-old kids. Uh you know, keep your filthy secondhand books away from my, you know, Draco's brand new books and, you know, just just pretty much stay away from us. Uh, so we, we sort of learned later on in the book that that's when he slipped it in. But we see it right here that he does do that. Um, and you do notice Harry mm -hmm. gets a, a peak that he put this book in there, but doesn't really 
know why or what it was till later on, obviously. Yeah. And, and maybe also, too, because it is a very sort of, like, ratty, torn-up kind of a book, and, you know, Weasley's, as we find out, you know, and Draco loves to torment Ron about this, the Weasleys are not a very wealthy family at all. Like, a lot of hand-me-downs and second-hand clothes and things like that. Well, mm-hmm. There's 35 Weasleys, too, just like Kardashians. There's 35 of them. And, and- and, and that's sort of like another <laughs> difference between the movies and the books. So in, in the movies, we see, you know, Ginny and Ron and uh, Fred and George. And in the first couple of movies, we do see Percy. They very briefly mention um, Charlie Weasley and trying to think of the oldest one. There's Charlie Weasley and, okay, well, it'll come to me later. Um you know, in the books, they talk about them a lot more, uh, you know, that Charlie works with dragons. Uh, their other brother is a curse break. He's a curse breaker at Gringotts Bank. So he's basically like an Indiana Jones that goes around looking for wizard wizarding treasure. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's interesting. I never yeah, knew that. And that's the thing. And again, you know, I kind of understand because otherwise, you know, these movies are going to be six, seven, eight hours long if we touch on all these things. But. Just, just a little fun side fact there, but you make me want to read the books oh, now. Not a bad thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I would. Say, <laughs> not really. I don't yeah, want to read. But I would say, <laughs> for the most part, especially these first two movies, uh, they really translate the book very well. They cut very. The things that they cut out are these small little details, kind of do enrich this wizarding world, but. If you don't see them in the movies, you're not really missing anything. You know, it, it's not, they're not big key plot points that they're just like, you know, oh, Voldemort, yeah, we don't need that guy. Let's just cut him out of the movie. You know, it's like they're, they're cutting out these right. side stories and things like that. So uh, oh, that's good. So the first two movies, we know we're not missing much. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, and I think you said it too, you know, watching all <clears> eight <throat> movies, you know, you never felt lost at all. Like, as the story progressed and my wife who only saw the movies too, same thing. Like she followed the story from the first movie to the very last movie and you know, no problems at all. Now, did, your, did, did your daughter read the book? Interesting that you, that you mentioned that. So what, what my daughter, the way it started off was when she was about, I'm going to say she was probably about four years old. Uh, I used to read to her at night. So one night I, she kind of like mentioned it, so I asked her, I said, do you want me to reach Harry And she was a little scared. She was like, I don't know, maybe. She goes, maybe read me a chapter, and I'll see. So I read her the first chapter, and I gave every single character, like, a very distinct voice. You know, I did, like, a Mr. Dursley. I did an Aunt Petunia. I did a Dudley. Uh, just to kind of, like, make it like a, almost like an old-time radio play or an audio book. Uh, and that's how we got through the first four books. Uh, and after the fourth book, she was probably six, six and a half. And she just said, I'll take it from here. And she, she finished it off on her own, (laughs) but it was, it was a nice way to introduce it. It really got her involved in that world. She, she really enjoyed it a lot. You know, she would look forward to it like almost every night. Boy, here comes Harry Potter, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so back to the story. I'm sorry. That's a good point, though. My kids, just my, my son never mm-hmm. read it. My daughter did. She loves the movies. My son thinks I'm a nerd because I watch them. I mean. <laughs> can't, can't please them all. <laughs> my, 
Story of my life. There it is. <laughs> okay, so uh, they're off to Hogwarts, and we get a great scene of, once again, of Dobby interfering, even though we don't see it. We learn it later. Uh, they're getting aboard the Hogwarts Express, and they all go through the secret barrier in the wall, except for Ron and, uh, Ron and Harry. Uh, they get blocked out, and they do something very bad. <laughs> yep, they're stealing that car again. Yeah, they uh, they steal that flying car, and uh, Ron's, Ron's basically like, I'm going to fly us to Hogwarts. <laughs> I'm 12, and I can drive. I can do it. Yeah, I it's a flying car. Yeah, I kind of like wondered about that, like seeing him get in there. And I'm, he's just like, you know, because I think, too, when they rescue Harry, I think he's the one driving. <laughs> oh, no, I think Fred's dri- Fred or George is driving. I couldn't tell you which which twin is what, but I know there was a redhead and he was tall That's driving true. the car. So. <laughs> but, yeah, he just jumps behind the wheel. He cranks it up and, and, and away they go. Um, in the book, they pretty much just follow the train from above and they get to Hogwarts uh, here. They have the funny scene where they sort of drop down almost right in front of the train and, you know, falls out of the car, you know, he falls out cause he turns the run, turns the car the wrong way. And then when they get to, as they approach Hogwarts, they land in a tree. <laughs> yeah. They, they run afoul of a, of a tree that's alive out there. Um, the whooping, whooping, yes. the whooping willow. Yes. That's what they call which, it. Which plays a big part in all the movies. Yeah, later on. I mean, in this oh, not one, a big part, but yeah, I mean, in this yeah. one, it attacks the car, it knocks them out of the air. But later on, you know, and, and again, you think like, oh, wow, that's just another cool, magical thing. Uh, it comes up again in later books and movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the one thing before we continue on with these, uh, with these stories. One little, you know, like the tree. A small little piece that you think, oh, it's okay, gets reintroduced, and how big it is in the in the in the Wizarding World um, as the movies go on. There's little things that you catch, and I, it took me a few times to go back and watch all the mm-hmm. movies and say, oh, I remember that in the you know this movie or that movie, and this is one of those first ones that you know. Yeah, and uh, when they were filming, I don't know if they were filming. It was either the fourth or fifth movie, and. J.K. Rowling, I don't think the sixth book had come out yet. Um, and she was sort of touring the uh, the set, and she saw an item that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's for the movie. And she kind of, like, said, um, don't lose that. It's going to be important later on. And it was just sort of like an innocuous item. And when we get there, I'll kind of tell that story again. But... You know, like she hadn't even written the seventh book yet. And I don't think, she, I, yeah, I don't think she had written the sixth and seventh book yet. But she saw something and she was just like, yeah, don't lose that because you're, you're going to need that in, in another movie. <laughs> kind of important. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we can oh, continue absolutely. on. Sorry. So, Sorry, folks. We're just, we're talking away. Yeah. Well, we love it. Yeah. Why not? So, exactly. uh, yeah. You know, they get to Hogwarts. Um, they have uh, their first class with Gilderoy Lock. Oh, my God. That's a tongue twister. Um, and again, you know, he comes out for his first class, like all pomp and circum, like, oh, hello, welcome to my class. <laughs> <laughs> all the girls are like, you know, sitting in the front row. <laughs> all the 
Yeah, it's like that. It's like that scene from Ever Indiana Jones when he's comes into the uh, to the room and he's speaking, and all the girls are like their eyes are fluttering and all that stuff. This is the same. Yeah, scene. pretty much. You know, it's like uh, you know, Doctor Jones is always like, "Why do these young girls always want to take my class? They they don't like archaeology." Like, <laughs> yeah, you wonder why. He wonders why, but Gilderoy Lockhart, I'm sure he lo- he loves the attention. Well, he knows why. That's He's right. Han Solo. Yeah, he is. He wishes. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, his first class does not go well. He's like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to defeat these little pixies. And uh, he basically sets them loose, uh, realizes he can't do it. And he's just sort of like, uh, figure it out on your own later. <laughs> and Hermione saves the day, I believe, right? Of course, Hermione saves the day because she, she <laughs> reads those books <laughs> and she learns. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, we get another Quidditch scene. Do you like watching the Quidditch in the, in the movies, or uh, do you feel like ah, I saw it in the first one? Why do they keep doing it? <laughs> well, you know, at first, yes, you know, it kind of reminded me of going back. I'm always doing mm-hmm. comparisons to the um, the pod scenes in uh, in Phantom Menace, but then when you start wa- when you start watching it over and over again, you go through the series. Quidditch is a very big part of this world. It's kind of like our football. So at first, yes, but afterwards, I realized the importance of the of each scene with that, and how you know how big of a part it is of the Harry Potter world. Yeah, and that's the thing is in the books, it is very big because you got to remember, you know, there's four houses: uh, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin, and all four teams are vying for a house championship. So it's like inter-house rivalries and, and things. So in a way, it's almost like college football, you know, if you think about it with these rivalries. Yeah. But in, exactly. No, it's like, so yeah, with the Quidditch, you see this, this high school sport or whatever it may be. And as we go into other movies, we get to see it on a bigger scale. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely so, right. So when I saw that scene in, the, in one of the further movies, that's when I kind of knew, oh, okay, this makes sense. Quidditch is big because of this. Yeah, and that's the thing is, and I think, you know, hardcore fans of the books were like, we want more Quidditch. But again, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to be sitting there for five hours. Like, the Quidditch scene we have here is very key. I don't need to see, like, all the other matches that Harry's involved with because while it's nice to read in the book and it expands that, that universe – uh, it doesn't really add much to the movie. You know, it's fun to see, but but uh, this, like, I, like uh, I, I said, though, that this Quidditch scene is pretty key because uh, we discover that, once again, Dobby is trying to get him out of Hogwarts, I should say. The uh, rogue bludger chasing him down. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty good scene, though, with them. They were, like, flying through the bleachers and uh, him and Malfoy. It was pretty cool. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely but you know that scene is important because he gets mm-hmm. hurt there right you want to explain uh what what occurs during the scene and how it applies to the to dobby the elf yeah because uh the bludger chases him uh breaks his arm gilderoy lockhart is like don't worry i know what to do i'm gonna mend your bones oh i turned your arm into rubber well Okay, see you later. You know? <laughs> and right. he uh, ends up in the hospital wing where Dobby does come in and, and admits that it was him and pretty much tells him 
that uh, he, he didn't want Harry coming back to Hogwarts, um, but it's for his own protection because we discover he is the house elf of the Malfoys and he knows that the Malfoys are up to something. But since he's sort of bound to them, he can't really rat them out. So it's like he kind of gives Harry some very cryptic clues. But then uh, I believe it's in the scene later on when he's sort of laying there in bed. That's when he starts to hear the voice, the voice in the wall, basically. No, well, yeah, well, you know, this is this is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to the Quidditch scene, this, the scene is he's he's in mm, detention yes. with with uh, our with lover boy, <laughs> and he starts to hear voices. And for those that don't want listen or watch the Harry Potter, uh, the term for being able to speak to snakes is parcel tongue. So he starts hearing that language and he um, he leaves after he leaves detention, he walks out and he finds uh, what's his name? Filter's cat. Yeah, right? Mrs. Norris, Filter's cat, yeah. Yeah. She's uh, petrified. Right. Yeah. She's actually sort of like hung up. Right, petrified. she's petrified. Mm-hmm. Oh go ahead, sorry. <laughs> No, no, you're good. You're speaking. I'm listening to you. You, you know things. You're smart. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Harry follows the voice in the wall, and he comes across Mrs. Norris. Um, Mr. Filch comes out, and he thinks that Harry killed his cat. Uh, professors Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape show up. Uh, some of the other kids kind of show up, and Professor Dumbledore says, no, she's not dead. She's petrified, like frozen solid, basically. But we see uh, on the wall written in blood is, um, you know, basically, uh, beware the air of Slytherin. The Chamber of Secrets has been open. Uh, Mudbloods, you have been warned, which we find out that that term mudblood is a very, very derogatory remark towards wizards who come from non-magical parents. That would be Hermione because... um, Draco, of course, the Malfoy family, you know, they're one of those families like, yes, we came over on the magical, you know, Mayflower, you know, <laughs> we go back long ways. And the Weasleys are a very uh, extended, long running wizarding family. Harry's parents were both wizards um, and Hermione's parents are dentists. <laughs> no magic. <Yeah. laughs> now, and. For, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, too. Her being such a magical wit, I mean, magical. Uh-huh. Um, she's, what's the words I'm looking for, man? Oh, she's, you know, one of these great wizards to be, as we learn later on in the books, too, coming from muggles. It's, uh, you know, you would think that she'd be eh, middle of the road. But she's, as they say in one of the books later on, that she's one of the most powerful witches uh, that they know. <laughs> Yeah, because there's actually when um, I think when Draco does call her, he does call her a mudblood. Um, They sort of run off and they're crying. Uh, You know, she's crying. And, you know, Harry's sort of like, what does that word mean? And um, it's actually Hagrid explains it to them. But then Hagrid turning around saying, hey, look, some of the best wizards out there don't come from these long lines of like wizarding families. Some of them only have, you know, one magical parent or some like our Hermione here have no magical parents and they're some of the greatest witches and wizards I've ever known. So, you know, it's, it's for kids. I thought that was a pretty good, it's, they're basically touching on racism without touching on racism, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing too. I think we learn in, well, we kind of get the idea that Harry's mother, Mm -hmm. Lily 
her parents are muggle born. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it, yeah, and even so, though like, Harry, like both of his parents were, were, you know, his mom was a witch, his dad was a wizard, but yeah, she comes from non-magical, non-magical folk, and uh, she was a pretty powerful witch in her own right. So uh, there's sort of a panic in the school that uh, this is in the air of Slytherin and some creeping the halls or roaming the walls possibly, uh, and is going to be targeting. Um, wizards with non-magical parents, uh, you know, there's sort of a panic. And, uh, of course, the, 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 the big three there, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, are determined to solve this mystery. Uh, they learned that similar attacks occurred, occurred at Hogwarts about 50 years ago, uh, around the time when Hagrid was And, you know, it's interesting that... Um, you know, they, they talk to Hagrid. He kind of tells them what happened back then. You know, it's, it's kind of nice seeing sort of like the history of uh, Hogwarts a little bit and expanding upon Hagrid a bit, like where he came from. Now, is that before or after mm-hmm. uh, Hermione gets petrified? Yeah, Hermione gets petrified. Yeah, and that's the thing is, is one by one, students are getting, like, petrified all throughout the school, and Hermione, of course, is one of them. Um, so, you know... I feel like, okay, there was a issue before, but, you know, look what really have to solve this mystery. So they go to talk to Hagrid. Uh, Hagrid starts to tell them something. He's interrupted because Dumbledore and the Minister of Magic show up. Uh, Harry has his father's invisibility cloak, throws it over him and Ron. And, you know, the Minister of Magic sort of says, you know, like, Hagrid, look, there's these attacks. The last time it happened. You know, you were at school, you got the blame for it. You know, I'm sure you're not doing it, but I have to do something. They arrest Hagrid, and Hagrid gives a clue, which is, you know, just off the wall. He's like, well, if anybody ever wanted to know anything, follow the spiders. To which... Well, that's the, that scene we also see. Uh, Lucius is there, too, and we see how his influence on, on the uh, Minister of Magic starts you know how powerful he is over the the minister yeah, that, like what lucius says yeah goes. that's true and and the reason and one of the things is they say uh in the book that he's actually sort of like on the governing board of of hogwarts and he sort of brings it up as like oh the concern the parents are very concerned you know he's really like i want this big oaf out of here and and i want dumbledore out of here basically right he's he's always looking for dumbledore to oh, go yeah so Harry and Ron yeah. follow the spiders, which Ron is not thrilled about. But I have to agree with Ron because I do not like spiders. <laughs> oh, I can't stand spiders. Yeah, either. This, no. this scene was a little, like, creepy to get through because they meet uh, Hagrid's friend, not his pet, his friend, a giant talking spider. <laughs> Just <laughs> That's interesting. That. I have John and I have you. He yeah, has a spider. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, you know, he sort of, the, the spider basically tells him that Hagrid was innocent, you know, that even though Hagrid raised him, he wasn't the creature that was killing people at the school. You know, it's really this other horrible thing known as a basilisk. And Harry and Ron are like, okay, great, thanks. And he's like, yeah, well, Hagrid's not here to protect you, so uh, all my children here are going to eat you now. Which, I think <laughs> I would have right. dropped dead of a heart attack, like, right then and there. <laughs> 
Yeah. And this is where the flying car comes back to That's save right. them again. Amazing flying car comes back and saves them again. Um, so sort of armed with this new information, uh, they go to Professor Lockhart, who they know he's an idiot. But they're like, look, you're the professor. You're the defense against the dark arts specialist. We know where the Chamber of Secrets is. Uh, and actually, they find the Chamber of Secrets when they do find it or where it's sort of the hidden entrance to it. We meet yet another character. Uh, Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> Moaning Myrtle, who we find out in the scene where Harry goes back and learns about Hagrid through the through the diary of uh, Tom mm-hmm. Riddle, that she was the girl that was murdered those 50 years ago. Yeah, and that's the reason why she haunts uh, the bathroom, because as cause Harry sort of pees, like, you're haunting this bathroom because you died. And she basically says, you know, yeah, crying because I heard a funny sound and I looked over there and she kind of points at a sink and she said that's the last thing I remember and they that's how they sort of discovered the hidden entrance uh, and when they go down there with Professor Lockhart who does not want to go he pretty much reveals that he is a big fraud <laughs> yeah exactly yeah he sort of says that like look all those books I wrote they're other people's stories but they're boring riches and witches and wizards I'm amazing. You know, so he, he stole their <laughs> stories, erased their minds, and he's like, and now it's your mind, boys. But he uses Ron's wand, which, of course, it's a secondhand wand. It's broken, and it backfires on him. So he totally erases his memory. And uh, Harry has to go on into the Chamber of Secrets because we discover that Ginny was taken down, and she is in big trouble. And when he gets into the chamber, he sees Jenny, and he sees uh, he sees somebody else there. Yeah, Tom yeah, Riddle goes to Tom Riddle, and Ooh. yep. Which at this point in time, Harry thinks he's still a good guy. Yeah, because you know everything about Tom Riddle that he read up on, and through the magical diary, he kind of sees that he was kind of like a student, like an excellent student. Uh, sort of like a law and order type of kid, you know, following the rules and everything. But uh, who is Tom Riddle? <laughs> well, we, we're going to find out yeah. now, are we? <laughs> Tom Riddle is Lord Voldemort. Shh, don't yeah, say the name. That's right. They can't say that name. He who must not be named. <laughs> but he basically says he is, he is the young Voldemort. And he basically tells Harry that uh, sort of as a precaution – he put a piece of his soul in this diary. And now here's the key thing. He only says the diary. So he said he, he put a piece of his soul in the diary so that if anything ever happened to him, he would have a way to come back. So he's basically siphoning off Ginny's life so he could come back to life. He summons the basilisk, which is a giant snake that with its just, just by looking can kill you. Um, Fox, who is Dumbledore's phoenix, comes in to help out Harry and gives Harry a powerful magical artifact, the Sword of Gryffindor. Uh, and Harry is able to defeat the Basilisk. He takes a Basilisk fang, which is very poisonous, and he stabs the diary and thus destroys that portion of Lord Voldemort's soul and saves the day. <laughs> and we learn that later on, you know, as we go through the books, that diary is very is again another one very important to to look for in the next few movies yeah exactly now when you you know when you saw that 
his sort of thing, like, ah, I put a piece of my soul in here. Like, did you, did it like ever occur to you that like, well, if he did it, like maybe he did it multiple times or was it sort of like a, almost like a one shot plan or something? I, I was on the, I really thought it was just a one mm-hmm. deal. I, um, again, so, you know, I didn't think that there'll be more to come with that. I knew he'd be back somehow anyway, but I just kind of thought, well, okay, diary, got rid of it, put, uh, put the, the fang in it, it bleeds out. Okay, that's it's all said and done. Yeah, exactly. You know, reading the book and, and seeing it in the movie, I thought the same thing. I'm like, ah, he's, he's probably going to try something else next time, maybe like a, a potion or he'll have a, like a, his followers do some kind of spell or something like that. But, you know, yeah, that little diary turns out to be a very key uh, plot point much later on. Now, in these in, mm-hmm. in these movies, these first two, and I'm not sure in comparison to the book first movies, did they ever mention mm-hmm. the Death Eaters? Uh, I believe, I mean, I know they, they mentioned them in the books because they were the followers of Lord Voldemort. I, if they do mention it, it's very sparingly in the movies. Uh, I think as the books and movies progress, of course, in the books, they get mentioned a lot more. And I think in later movies, they start mentioning and talking about the Death Eaters uh, much, much more. They might have mentioned it a little bit in the movie. But, uh, you know, again, we saw, you, you know, I think it's kind of clear that Lucius Malfoy was a, a fan of Lord Voldemort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And at this point in time, mm-hmm. between the two movies, again, I mean, he only knows that his parents were killed by um, Voldemort. He doesn't know. He knows the story about what happened with him and how he's, you know, right now the the one that survived. Mm-hmm. But Dumbledore doesn't really go into detail about his true background till later on. Yeah, it really doesn't. And uh, I don't know if it's, but in one of the books, Dumbledore sort of explains why he took so long to sort of explain it to Harry. Um, I don't think they really touch upon it in the movie so much, but it's kind of an interesting story. But when we okay. get there, we get there. <laughs> when we get there, we get there. Exactly. All right. So what happens after that scene that he uh, defangs the book? Yeah. So uh, Lucius Malfoy comes to the school and uh, much to his chagrin, everything is absolutely fine. And uh, Hagrid is back and Dumbledore is back in charge. And Professor D- Professor. That Professor Dumbledore sort of, you know, teases him a little bit like, oh, I hope no more of Tom Riddle's school things end up in the hands of children. And, of course, uh, Mr. Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy, sort of like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, never saw that before in my life. You know, total den- deny, 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 deny. Exactly right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, Harry's a little miffed about that. But, you know, Dumbledore, Dumbledore, of course, you know, who could, who could see sort of like the long game is like, don't worry about it. You know, you know, you know, exactly. He, he might've won this small battle. <laughs> We're going to win the war. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but he uses, Harry uses this now destroyed diary to sort of uh, exact a little bit of revenge on Mr. Malfoy uh, because Dobby, the house elf is there. Uh, Lucius sort of learns that Dobby was kind of tipping off Harry. So he is not pleased. And one thing that we, uh, learned earlier in the movie is that house elves are essentially slaves to these wizarding families and the way that they are sort of is you give them an article of clothing you know you give them a, 
a hat, a glove, you know, whatever. Any piece of clothing you give them sort of set, you know, breaks that magical contract with the family. So Harry hands the hands the uh, destroyed diary. Like, oh, you know, Mr. Malfoy, you forgot this. And he's like, oh, this isn't mine. And he tosses it to Dobby. Dobby opens it and there's a sock inside. So he's like, oh, you gave me clothes. I'm free. And Lucius is not happy. And it looked like he was going to try to kill Harry Potter right then and there. <laughs> yeah. I think doesn't have uh, Dumbledore kind of like, uh, you know, kind of give him a dirty look or something it's like actually, that. I think they're out in the hall and it's actually Dobby. Who's now, who is now a free elf. He actually counters uh, Lucius. You know, he's like, you, you'll never hurt Harry Potter again. He uses his magic and sort of knocks him back. And, uh, we all have a good life. But... <laughs> yes, yes. That's right. Now I remember. See, you got me knowing, learning what's going on again. <laughs> oh, well, these are good. This is good stuff. But um, so stuff. let's let's uh, kind of compare. So how did you, how did you think the second movie stacked up to the first? All right. Good. Well, we as as we talked about during the first movie, there's eight movies all together, right? Okay. So. We ha we're going to do a rating here. I'm putting this on the spot for you. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Eight through one. Eight being the best, one being the worst. And you can only rank the movies once. Correct. Where's this movie lie? Where's this movie lie for so, you? So again, you're the first so two. Number one is the number one. The least okay, favorite. So, I mean, for me, I would say this is about. Number three for me with philosoph uh, Philosopher's Stone, there I go again, with Sorcerer's Stone being uh, number four. You know, I thought the first one was a little bit better than this one, but, you know, this was a good one. I mean, it wasn't really one of my favorite books, but it, it's necessary. You know, it definitely continues the story. So I would say this one's number three and uh, Sorcerer's Stone is number four. Oh, Okay. I, we have a totally different take on it. I mean, I like the all great, all eight movies oh, yeah. are great. Oh yeah. Um, so this eight, eight to one is really like, you know, a ten to nine. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say that the first two are, this one is two. The first mm -hmm. one's a one. The one good thing about the first two movies, they really do a great job introducing the characters, um, so that when the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth movies. The character building is, is, you know, much better, and and then it can still add new characters. So you're not really lost on. Oh, I don't remember what happened. Where did he come mm -hmm. from? You know, there's always that building on top of the uh, the character's background. So it's it's good. Uh, but again, I I like two and one, second and first. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, now we know that these first two movies directed by Chris Columbus. Um, I believe, and I'll have to look it up when we get further down the line, I think he comes back for some of the later movies. Uh, but this is also something that we see uh, Richard Harris portraying Albus because I believe he has to shortly after the movie either finished or was released. That yeah. is correct. Yeah, and I, and I said when we did the first one, I sort of said that he had, in my mind, he had the look of Dumbledore, but not the sort of spirit of Dumbledore or character of Dumbledore. From the third movie on, Michael Gambone, I believe that's how you pronounce his Gambon, Gambone, 
uh, he sort of takes over, and I was like, yes, this is Dumbledore. Because I always kind of pictured Dumbledore as sort of like an old hippie. And I think, I think that is an old hippie. <laughs> so in, in the books, is he's the way Harris plays him is not the same as what's kind of like in the book, or is it close it's to? It's kind of close to it, but I always kind of felt Richard Harris was a little more reserved where – you know, if I was going to compare it, I would say that um, Dumbledore is actually, he's actually like a Yoda. You know, he, he sort of like teaches through humor. You know, he makes points with sort of like jokes and like riddles and things like that. Um, you know, he's a very fun-loving kind of guy, but, you know, he, he commands a lot of respect. You know, he's not like, oh, yeah, he's the goofy principal. He's the goofy headmaster. Like... I think for the most part, the, the kids at the school and, and the staff very much respect him. But like, like a professor McGonagall, who's like very sort of like a starched collar. She's sort of like some of his antics. Like she definitely rolls her eyes at it. Like, Oh God, there he goes again. And, and he, he, Richard Harris didn't really play it like that. I'm not saying he did a bad job, but I kind of felt like, eh, yeah, okay. He looks like Dumbledore, but I, I just don't get that Dumbledore feeling i guess okay so we get to the new movie the next couple movies we'll talk about you know how he may have played it or not okay. um again i thought that this i thought richard harris is you know he's a great actor did a lot of great movies um i thought he was a little i like the 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 next i like michael better uh or the way they portray uh Dumbled, dumbledore going forward i think he's um, a little more loosey-goosey, kind of like you said, the hippie, hippie <laughs> thing. But um, I think he, do, he does a great, great job. You know, we really will never know how Harris probably yeah. would have played it, but I don't know if he could have done it as well as... As Michael Gambon. Uh, as yeah. the new... Yeah, I don't think he could have done it. Because, you know, he was very am animated at the time. And, um, you know, I, I, it's funny that remember, uh, we were talking... Prior to this, kind of off the air, yeah. about uh, Peter. I thought it was Peter O'Toole. Yes, that played. Uh, yes, well, apparently Peter O'Toole actually was offered the job after Richard Harris mm. passed away, but he he said that he didn't think he can do the do it do the uh, the character justice like his his friend Richard Harris. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's some other key facts. To the, uh, to the to the movie, if you if you're sure. interested, um, did you did you know there was a post post uh, post scene post credit oh, scene? Yeah, that's the one where they sort of go back to the bookstore and you see a new Gilderoy Lockhart book. And as you know, in the Wizarding World, pictures move, so it's a it's a picture of uh, Gilderoy Lockhart, pretty much in a straitjacket, looking quite perplexed. And I think the title of the book is like, who am I? Gilderoy Lockhart. Yeah, exactly. That, that exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's one piece. The second piece, what was the budget for this movie? Oh, I would have no idea. I'm sure they went a little bit more than the first movie, but the budget, 60 million. <laughs> so what? So $100 million oh, okay. for this movie, that which you can see because there's a lot of you know, flying things and this and the other True. thing. Um, the box office, just the box office alone, 
this movie made $879 million. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not surprising at all. I mean, you know, kids, I mean, you're just going to get millions and millions of kids to this movie and, you know, adults too, because, uh, you know, they're, they're great stories. Like I said, my wife wanted to see them, uh, never read, ha- having never read the books. And she, look, once she saw the first one, she had to see all eight, you know? So not surprised yeah, I, at all. And I, you know, and again, like we talked about earlier in the first one as well, you know, I saw the first one and thought, okay, well, this is just a silly kids mm-hmm. movie. And then I saw the second one in the theater. I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty good. So it started gaining steam. And then uh, the third one really got me, like, connect, uh, connected yeah. to the movies. Uh, so when we talk about the next movie, uh, which will be in a few weeks, which is Prisoner of Azkaban. Is it called something else in, uh, in England? Uh, in England, no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the Prisoner of Azkaban. And um, <laughs> I mean, an interesting thing is, is you know, each, each of these books, each of these movies, the, the, the sort of like more dark and serious tone, it sort, of, it sort of ramps up a notch with each book, with each movie. And, you know, we're going to definitely see that in Prisoner of Azkaban. And, then, and I can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah, and we're gonna have more characters to introduce there too as well. Um, so you got you got to be ready to listen to, to Pete and Jay talk Harry Potter book three, um, and then you know coming up in our future episodes, I guess we're gonna talk about the premieres or the beginnings of the new the second half of Jay's favorite Supergirl yes. <laughs> and Pete and, and, uh, and favorite then, the Flash, of course. <laughs> The Flash, yeah, no, I mean, she's not as sexy as, as Supergirl, but that's okay. And then we'll talk. Right. <laughs> not my right. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about the Black Black Lightning, which that's gonna. I'm gonna leave that all up to you because I know nothing about the character. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, I know that the character, the gentleman that plays the the character, he he's a pretty decent star. He was on one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, Beverly Hills 902 and <laughs> <laughs> He was. Yes, he was. He oh. was on uh, during the, uh, the the first couple seasons of the college um, season. Oh. So I think that's season okay. four or five. So you okay. know, listen, I I have my I have my nerdy things, but I have my girly things. So <laughs> we'll just deal with that. Okay, no problem at all. Uh, <laughs> um, so I guess we can plug here if we want sure, to. Sure, yeah. So uh, as you guys know, you can find us here on Anchor as always. Anchor has that call-in feature. So call in, leave comments, uh, tell us your thoughts on the Harry Potter uh, series. Give us uh, some topics also to discuss. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. Really, anywhere you can find a podcast, you'll find us. <laughs> Pretty much. And you'll find us also on uh, Stuff You Don't Need to Know. We're doing some single mm-hmm. stuff, and um, we still do the best on there. <laughs> uh, I know, Jay, you just did a show on um, Runaways, right? Yeah, I, I do a Runaways uh, update every week. But now that the season is over, uh, I'm actually going character by character and just giving a little recap. Uh, Pete is keeping you up to date on sports and, uh, the playoffs are heating up. So Monday morning, he's going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> hey, yeah. And look for me tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, give you my predictions of who's going to win the Super Bowl, And I'll be watching mm-hmm. the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Oh, very nice. 
Yes, I'm going to be traveling. Nice. So, uh, so we shall see how it is there. It'll be interesting. Uh, a lot of gambling going on, of course. Really? Uh, <laughs> you think? Nah. Don't forget to check out uh, Fat Guys in a Little Coat all on the same networks, as well as uh, Nerd, and Nerd and Me with our with our buddies Alan and the other guy. What's his I name? Oh, <laughs> uh, John. That's it, John. They're great guys. They do a great job. They talk about everything nerdy as well. So look for us on all these stations. Look for us to talk about anything that you want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so give us a hit us on Instagram. Hit us on Anchor. Call in. We want you to call in. We want you guys to call in. Absolutely. Can I say that anymore? Absolutely. We want you to call in. <laughs> all righty. Well, it's time to wrap up. So uh, I'm going to say same bad time. Same bad channel. Do not sue us. All right, I'll see ya. See ya.